I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freund, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you? I am great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, Because I, I have to be honest, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm just, I'm, I'm good today. Yeah. Which is, which is pretty good compared to, or based on some of the things I've been battling, <laughs> like migraines and foot pain and all those good things. Mm-hmm. So I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I'm always good when I get to have a conversation with you and we can share it with our friends on the next page. Yes. So as promised, we're talking a little bit more of my, my experience in Orlando, mm-hmm. which I will tell people I came home well. Mm-hmm. I did not catch any of the, the <laughs> nastiness that was floating around through some of our southern states. I, and I have had two tests since then to prove that I came back well. Mm-hmm. So whether it was my, my good hygiene or my vaccination, whatever, it worked well and I, and I was really happy. But I was so glad I could be there. It was just, it was so good to see old friends and colleagues that mm-hmm. are on the same leadership journey that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you know, we had done virtual after virtual after virtual. And, and so it was a smaller group, as I mentioned last week, a smaller group, but still very, 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 very cool. Yeah. I'm so glad so, you were able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, there, um, we do it twice a year. And I just may have to go in person in March again. And then, of course, part of it is if you're going to go to Florida for a conference, you don't really want to go in August. <laughs> it's a little hot. It's much better to go in March. So yeah. who knows? I have to make that decision soon before it sells out, but I may mm-hmm. sign up for the March one and then do my August virtual. So there were three topics that I picked as I went through my notes. And if we have some time, just let me know and I can share a few more. But I promised the, the, the listeners this week that I would talk about some things that were some real takeaways for me. And, and what was interesting is I went through my notes um, no super big giant topic things like they didn't. Yes, I we ha- I have a new coaching mentor and and she's really been giving us some really great content. But in terms of like nuggets that I took away, there were no major big ones, but there were a lot of small ones. And and mm-hmm. one of them was moving to the center of the wheel. And and this one really struck me because I I can remember as a kid I was fascinated by tractor trailers. We, and my family, my, my grandparents and aunts and uncles all lived in Ohio. So we would drive to Ohio. Well, now with my daughter living there, it's, it's kind of <laughs> continuous. But, but I used to, we used to go there at least four times a year. And I used to love semis, tractor trailers. And, and I remember watching their wheels. And I remember watching the hubs in the center of the wheel, and it really didn't spin that fast. And as a kid, I just was like, how does this truck go so fast, but those wheels aren't turning? Well, the hub was rotating, but what was really moving fast was the tire, the outside edge of the tire, mm-hmm. which could have been as much as, I don't know, 40 inches from the center of the hub. And, and we know that if you, you know, when, you, when you wash your clothes in a, dry, in a washing machine and the washing machine goes into a spin cycle the clothes get pushed to the outside edge of the basket and that's centrifugal force. Mm-hmm. When something is spinning, it pushes it to the outside. So if we think about a wheel, if we're hanging on to the outside edge of a wheel, we're moving really fast and it's really, really hard to hold on. But if we move to the center of the wheel, it's just a slight rotation. 
And this teaching was given to us to help us understand that we, you know, as we, we live in, in more and more turbulent times, and I don't believe that times will ever get less turbulent. I hope, hope people aren't totally disappointed by that, but the reality is that we have always lived in turbulent times. We just didn't always notice it. Mm-hmm. The problem is the 24-7 news cycle, if we're not careful, has us hanging on to the tread of the tire. And we always can find either, we can either find views that support ours or that are completely contrary to ours, and they all are in the extreme. And we need to understand that the media wants to give us things in the extreme because that gets us to click. You know, we're not picking up the paper, even when it was a newspaper, the headlines were always much more outstanding than the article. Mm-hmm. Get it? They want, they draw us in, they want us to pick it up. And what I really was learning in this, this one teaching was just stop. Be really, really careful what we're listening to, what we're reading. You know, I'm not talking censorship. I'm just saying to, to be highly intentional about what you're going to consume in any situation you're in in life and move to the center of the wheel because that's when you're going to stay balanced. That's where things are going to be the easiest to handle. So it was super simple, but I don't know. For me, I just found it really profound. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially when you talk about, you know, the further you move from the center towards an extreme, you know, it's a, the, the faster things are spinning, right? Right. And I think, it, like you said, it's, it's even more difficult now to remember this because of the 24-7 news cycle, but also because right. of the internet and mm-hmm. clickbait, right? We, it used to be headlines in, in the daily paper. Or, right. I don't know, wasn't there a time when the paper was twice a day? Yes. There was a morning paper and an evening paper. Okay. So, you know, you had those two opportunities. But now it's, it, there's clickbait everywhere you go. There's yeah. all kinds of apps and even on social media, lots lots to consume. And I think if we aren't careful, and I know I've fallen into this before, where you just, you kind of get down the rabbit hole of, con- of consuming yes. Whether it be news or research or just, I mean, anything, you know. It's, yeah, it's, I, I th- yes, I think the key is moderation. Right. And like you mentioned in your post, maintaining perspective. So, yep. I mean, sometimes I, I do enjoy reading, you know, opposing viewpoints from mine because... Sure. It can, you know, either confirm or or not how you feel, or um, allows you to maintain that perspective. And I think just knowing when to stop, <laughs> and when, yeah. you know, I think that's good. Yeah, knowing when to stop. And you know, if you think about, I think it, I, I think you're absolutely right to listen to contrary viewpoints because that gives balance. And and you know, when when you go out and get a tire for a car. It's probably not as big a deal today as it used to be, but because you always, when you get a a new tire put on your car on a rim, they balance the tire. Mm -hmm. They have to add weight on the opposite side of where there may be excess weight. Mm -hmm. And that's so that the tire is a smooth ride. So if we don't have balance, we will naturally 
have a crazy rough ride. Mm-hmm. So always get your balance and, and just try to, you know, there, and, and I think uh, we've done podcasts on, you know, what I've referred to as the whatsoever's what's where the th- uh, things are lovely, honest, just, and pure. Think on good. Right. Make sure you're getting that. And that's going to keep you in the center of the wheel. Yeah, that More was, than, that was the extreme. kind of what I was going to kind of share to, to close this pointer out or this learning out was that, you know, another way to look at this is if the center of the wheel is a place where your values are or mm-hmm. it, and if you, yes. you want to move toward that. Yes. And if you do that, then you will be moving at an acceptable speed and feeling that balance because you're centered exactly exactly and you know that that was i didn't even mention that but that was a huge part of the underlying theme of our conference was returning to just good values of valuing honoring Mm -hmm. people being kind to people um similar things that i that i shared with um when i did a sherm webinar not long ago it's, and it's just, it's, it's just, yeah, get back to your values and you get centered. And then there, will you rotate? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know what? A merry-go-round is a nice rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, being stuck on the outside edge of one of those things that, you know, rides at the fair where the bottom drops mm-hmm. out is not necessarily a nice thing. Mm-hmm. So, unless you like that kind of thing. Okay. So let's move on. So the next one was... You and I had some conversation before we, we even started recording because you said it. you had to read it a few times because it's, it's kind of confusing, but skills yeah. and giftedness. Mm-hmm. So what, what was confusing to you? Well, you know, I think that it is easy to assume that they are the same. Right. And because they both kind of mean, you know, you're good at something. You're, right. If you're skilled at something, you're you're good at it, and if you're gifted at something, you're good at it. Sure. And um, you know, I, I I'm sure you'll share some stats shortly. Um, yes. And I had to read through those a few times, but I I think where we landed, if hopefully this isn't a spoiler to what you were going to share, <laughs> is nope, that that a skill is something you know that you are inherently good at, mm-hmm. and the giftedness is something that yes you are good at but that you nurture and mm-hmm. and exercise over time and yes it's possible to to not nurture something mm-hmm. that you're gifted in um but yes. it's kind of like that that extra piece that you know takes your skill to the next level am i exactly. am i explaining this right yes you nailed it <laughs> I was confused about 20 minutes ago, but I think I got it. Yeah. Well, and this, this was, this was hard even to conceptualize. So, so let me give you, um, I'll give the statistics. Um, when someone can learn a specific skill and they're very, very good at it, we, we know that they have an aptitude for that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the top 20% of people in any given field have great skills. So for you to rise to the top 20% in your whatever field it is, that's an aptitude thing. It's a skill that you have. The top 2% 
in any given field not only have an aptitude, but they are there's a giftedness that is there that takes them to that next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's the difference between the craftsman and the artist. Um, I you know I as as I was as as you were talking, I was thinking because I just I just finished my second book by Condoleezza Rice, Secretary Rice, and in in her first book, which was specifically about her her time in Washington, she talked about the fact that she is an ex, is a very very good pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, she literally played concer- a concerto with with cellist Yo Yo Ma, you know. She was also a very, very good figure skater. Hmm. Um, I think she had giftedness in those areas, but didn't exercise them to take right. it to the level of being a professional concert pianist. Mm-hmm. Because she also had other skill sets, and those were in connecting with people and organization and leadership, and she nurtured those. And became, you know, the first black woman secretary of state, the first woman national security advisor. She is now the, uh, she was the provost of Stanford. Um, she's now the director of the Hoover, Herbert Hoover Institute in Stanford. Um, so I think, I, I think, so that's what came to mind. The, the other one was, and, I, and it, it, it dawned on me, um, as you and I were talking before, and I mentioned it. So if any, and I'm sure most of our listeners have heard some of John Maxwell's talks. And John is a good speaker. He is really probably one of the best public speakers that I've ever heard. He has a, a homespun, folksy way of, of delivering a talk. Um, he was clearly had an aptitude to speak. He could, he could connect with an audience, but he worked on it enough and he developed a gift and he developed his giftedness, mm-hmm. which everyone is gifted in something, at least one thing. And he developed it and he didn't even know why he was as good as he was until someone broke down his talks into segments. And he, and I remember the look on his face when he was realizing why he could do what he did. Somebody had to unpack it for him. Mm-hmm. For him, that was a giftedness that took it to that level. So what I, what I think about this one is, as leaders, as parents, we should be looking at people, helping them understand their skill sets, their talents. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of skills assessments to check our aptitudes. But then also say, okay, so they could do this or this or this really well. They could be, and people are all happy. Say, hey, I'm in the top 20%. Yeah, but wouldn't you like to be in the top 2%? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like to take this to the next level where if we're going to be totally selfish, where you're going to get paid the most because the top 2% should get the best wage for what they do, right? Um, and when you can have the greatest impact, on society, community, uh, doctors. You know, there's a lot of doc. So I think to become a doctor, you have to have a, a certain level of aptitude. 
just to to be able to pass those exams and learn that much content. But then think of the ones that are just amazing what they do. That, you know, I, I remember hearing my son telling me once that he, you know, he was in, um, there, was a, there was a doctor that was doing some, some brain surgery, trying to find a brain bleed on somebody in the ER. And Tim had the privilege of going in while this was taking place and, and just he said watching this man literally sort, sort through arteries in the brain or whatever it, he said it was amazing mm -hmm. that's giftedness a lot of people could probably do some of that surgery but to do it the way he did it that was giftedness so the point here was let's not just yes find the top 20 percent Absolutely, because that's going to be getting that's going to get our team moving in the direction. And I think too, um, sadly, there's a lot of giftedness that gets wasted mm -hmm. because nobody's ever pushed to find it. It was interesting, I, and I, and I put this note in my in my post. I recently heard uh, former NFL quarterback Tony Romo say that joy didn't come from winning games. Improvement in his game brought him. That is somebody that understood the giftedness piece. Yeah. Because he wanted to be exceptional. And he literally talked about the feeling of the ball leaving his fingers. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. I think it's important so, for us, you know, like you said, find the 20%, but to also, you know, look at yourself and, and say, okay, you know, I, I'm sure it's easy to define the things you're good at you know, at work or, or personally, um, but to say, okay, but where am I really gifted? And yes. how can I use that? How can I continue to, to exercise that muscle? And, and right. whether, and maybe it's, you know, if it's something that you're really gifted in, but you can't use it at work, well, can you use it on some kind of volunteer basis? Absolutely. Or for, you know, for like a nonprofit organization, or can you get involved with your community doing that? Or, Maybe it's even just some kind of, some kind of creative hobby. Um, yes. You know, doesn't, I, I think we're often caught up in this and I know I, I speak from experience in this um, needing to be efficient or to feel like everything that we spend our time on is, you know, either for work or for like our family. And it's easy to, to not nurture the gifts that we have that, that are really giving back to us, right? Mm -hmm. So certain things, if you're if you're gifted in a, a craft or a, or a creative outlet or whatever it might be, um, it can really kind of fill your cup. So it does have value, and you're exercising right. that that skill and that giftedness. Uh, so and when it, you do, it energizes. Right. Yes. Yes. That's what I was trying. I was reaching yeah. for that, but I couldn't quite get it. <laughs> yeah. And, and in this interview that I heard with Tony Romo, he talked about when in his life that shifted. Mm -hmm. When he realized that he had the aptitude, but he literally needed to throw a football hundreds of times every day, seven days a week mm -hmm. to develop his gift. Mm -hmm. Which is exciting. When you get that, it's super exciting. You know, and, and if we think about just our kids or our teams uh, at work, if we can get them doing things that's in their giftedness, that will propel them through life, mm -hmm. which is awesome. 
So, and thank you for helping me figure out how to articulate that better because we had a great conversation before we hit record. Mm -hmm. So the third one was, this one was, it was great. Um, Building, not branding. You know, we live in this age where, and I fell into the trap for a while where, um, you know, I need to be on social media and I need to be posting daily and I need to, you know, and I need to work on my brand. What's my brand? What's my brand? And, and John Maxwell said, stop talking about branding. Just build, just get better. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when you build rather than brand, when you work on, on getting better, when you work on growing and, and, and working in giftedness and, and, and what's the sweet spot for our organizations, whatever it might be, when you work on that, after a while, people notice. Yeah. And you don't need the, the branding will come. Mm -hmm. and, and in his book, um, in, in the book four that, that, I've, that I've talked about, Jeff Henderson, who's going to be one of the speakers at Live to Lead, by the way, um, he said, when you know what you're for, and when you're doing what you want to be known for and people begin to know you for that, they become your marketing people and your branding. Yeah. And it's fine. You know, I didn't know you were going to talk to that book, talk about that book and nor, nor have I read it, but I was actually going to mention that is that when you're building, you're showing and allowing others to experience what you're for and what yes. you're about. And when you're branding it's you're telling people what how you want mm -hmm. to be seen right but you're not really showing them you're just telling them and yep. it's something that i think about a lot because of course of what i do professionally mm -hmm. and i spend a lot of time um on communications but as a consumer of content um and as a millennial who definitely spends too much time on social media, uh, it, you start to, if you start to really look at what you're consuming and you think about branding, it's, it can be really eye-opening Yeah. to think about how you're being influenced. Yes. Nonstop. Yep. And I, I think this will, if, if our listeners could talk back to us, I think this would be a, there would be a lively conversation around this because yeah. we, we, we do hear so much about branding and, and reputation is important. We're not yes. saying that reputation isn't important or that you shouldn't have, you know, if you think about what a brand is at its core, it's like a really defined set of values, a defined mm -hmm. vision and a defined plan for, for a business Yep. But it's really evolved. Just how we talked about how news has evolved, brands have evolved. I mean, there's so many more opportunities to get your brand in front of people now. Right. Um, right. But I think this this would be a great conversation, I think, to have with a group of people. Yes. Um, and it's something I do kind of, you know, when you just like stare into the abyss and like think about things. But sometimes <laughs> that this is one of those topics where I'm like, wait, what is going on in my brain right now when I'm being exposed to this marketing? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of eye-opening. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, so Jeff Henderson, who's going to be, I mentioned, will be one of the speakers at Live to Lead, worked in marketing for Chick-fil-A. Mm -hmm. 
and and um, Mr. Kathy and I for Truett Kathy, who was the founder of Chick Fil A. They were always trying to talk to him about marketing, 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 and for years, he pushed one thing that had nothing to do with marketing. It was the statement when you say thank you, a Chick Fil A employee says my pleasure, mm-hmm. and it took years for that to stick. And yeah, they have marketing. Yeah, they have the eat more. Ch- you know, yeah, they have the Holstein cow eat more chicken. You know, but. People go there and drive. I mean, I'll drive to North to to Taft Road, mm-hmm. north of Taft Road, up there by Drivers Village, to go to Chick Fil A because it's good food. It's not cheap, but the service they make you feel so served. Mm-hmm. They're showing you. They're showing you, They're not and it's become you. their brand. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they're they're only open six days a week, and yet their sales exceed all the other fast food. So, I'm I'm really excited for to listen to what Jeff Henderson t- talks about. And Jeff is talking. He was not the one that said this. You know, uh, it's building, not branding. Um, but I know that's exact because I've read his book four, and that's exactly what that means. Mm-hmm. When you know why you do what you do, borrowing a little bit of Simon Sinek. And you do what you do because of why you do it. People become your best branding. Mm-hmm. So those were the three main takeaways. And I think the key, the key for me when I, is in the title. The power is being in the room. Mm-hmm. There's energy. It's palpable. You, yes, the virtual world is great. I mean, we need it. it I, I, hey, last week I had to flip to virtual for my class because of issues that we that were out of our control mm-hmm. and it's you can you can you can do it but there is nothing like being in the room and now not everybody can go to Orlando I know that you know um but you can do things local and and one of the things I wanted to make sure we mentioned here was we have live to lead coming up in the room our live to lead will be November what's the date Marissa 12th November 12th at the Lodge at Welch Allen. So think about it, you know, and will there be a virtual option? Yes. We're going to be rolling that out too. But if you've had a chance to be there in person, compare that to last year when it was virtual. Mm-hmm. So what are you missing? What are you missing if you're not in the room? The energy and the dialogue. You know, every time a, a speaker ended in Orlando, the person next to me, we were talking. What were your takeaways? Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Did you, you know, or when something great was said, we turned to each other, made eye contact, and we both started writing fevers. That's the power of being in the room. And thankfully, MACNI has events and events and events all year long where you can be in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that it's the same thing as listening to a live musical performance or a CD or we well, don't listen to CDs or an MP3. <laughs> At least I didn't say a record, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or a cassette. (laughs) Cassette. (laughs) Because I know I'm getting old when the two newspapers was the Post Standard and the Herald Journal. Mm Mm-hmm. So, for you younger folks. (laughs) So that's it. I probably don't have time to go on to any more, do I? Nope. We ran out of time. No, no. You know, it was really, it's always great to hear what you learn 
while you're away. And while we weren't in the room, hopefully this was, you know, a, hopefully good, it was a good summary. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, literally, I have pages and pages of notes. So mm-hmm. this is still going to filter on mm-hmm. for the next five months till I get to go do it again. Um, so next week, we're going to talk about good misses. Oh, cool. How's that? Good misses. Good misses. Just because we missed it doesn't mean it was bad. Right. Any special plans as autumn is right around the corner? You know, autumn is going to be here before we know it. And we have transitioned to our fall bucket list. Awesome. And uh, that one's my favorite, I think. And this will be the the third year. Wow. So... It's amazing that it's been three years. I know. That's terrific. Mm-hmm. What I love is the fact that if we can fast forward 15 years down the road, you're going to have some amazing memories and pictures to share with your family. I know. I know. That's great. Mm-hmm. Terrific. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was The Next Page. <laughs>